Hi, I'm Sarah Bandy, and this is my fantasy funeral. Imagine you are dead, but you get to design your own funeral. What songs will be played? Who will deliver your eulogy? And where will your remains rest forevermore? This is the scenario presented to my guest today. I'm Ryan Briegel, and you're listening to my fantasy funeral. Today, my guest is a woman who represents the perfect mix of a creative spirit and a business mind. She grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, and moved to Nashville in 2013 to work with the Youth Empowerment Through Arts and Humanities organization, known better as Yeah. This is the nonprofit group that hosts a number of rock camps for the youth of Nashville and the surrounding areas. As the executive director of Yeah, she infuses the week-long camps with her glittering positivity, encouraging campers to be brave when trying a new instrument or writing a song. Who cares if you're not an expert? Who cares if you've never done this before? She calls this destroying the cool. As a woman who knows the value of cultivating creative expression in today's teenagers, you can be certain that she has a hand in what will be the next wave of Nashville rock and roll. She is Sarah Bandy. Hello, Sarah. So glad you could be here. Thanks for having me. I'm afraid I do have bad news. We are going to kill you off today and take a look at the funeral you would plan for yourself. It's been a good run. I feel like I've learned a lot. I had a lot more planned, but, you know, when your time comes. I can't wait to find out what you learned. (laughs) Um, I wanted to start by asking, do you spend a lot of time thinking about your own death? I never really think about it. In the past maybe year and a half or two, I've spent a lot more time uh, meditating and like integrating that into my daily life. And I think it gives you so much perspective. um, And it has made me think a lot less about what's coming up and try to be more present in what's going on right now. And I'm finding that makes me a better friend and partner and Um, participant in Nashville in general. You grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Did you have an enjoyable childhood? Yeah. um, I was the youngest of three, uh, the baby sister. And my mom uh, and I got to hang out quite a lot. She was actually my sixth grade English teacher because I I went to the same school where she taught. And uh, one time she gave me a detention and I was like, yeah, well, you're going to have to be the one to stay after and take me home. Boom. That's her punishment. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I had a great childhood. Uh, we went to the beach a lot. We lived in a little townhouse that was near like a big, nice suburban subdivision. So I would go walk around and, you know, secretly smoke cigarettes and or clove cigarettes at that time and listen to my headphones, uh, mostly Portishead and be very moody. Um, I guess that was more of my early teen years than my childhood. But yeah, it was it was great. Um, I feel like my mom really had my back and she encouraged a lot of creativity and taking chances and being imaginative and just being silly. We'd like dance around and clean the house together and stuff. Yeah, I had a really nice childhood. I had a couple buds. Wasn't the most popular kid in school, but um, the buds I had were like to the core, which is the most important. 
Yes, it's like all you could want. Mm-hmm. Today, you get to choose the five songs that will be played during your funeral. What is your first choice? My first choice is Sly and the Family Stones, Everybody is a Star. At the end of my life, I w- would like to be able to look back and say that as much as I possibly could, I was present with people and made them feel like no matter who they were and what their relationship was to me um, or how they felt about their relationship to the world, I want them to feel like they're a star from the inside out. You know, um, I think on my very most successful moments, I make the people I care about feel like I think they're a star. And I think we can really solve a lot when even just one person makes us feel like we're a star. So this song is kind of uh, my my lofty goal of when I'm on my deathbed, hopefully just being like, at least I was kind, <laughs> I hope. Everybody is a star Move rain and change the dust of Sly and the Family Stone and Everybody is a Star. Do you know, I discovered that song was a B-side of a 1970s single. I did not know that. Further proof, the flip side of Seven Inches hold some of the most amazing songs. Yeah, that's a good point. Always check out the B-side. My favorite line in that song is, um, I love you for who you are, not for who you feel you need to be. I think that's really beautiful. You mentioned your mother, Debbie Bandy. Um, I think she has probably always been an inspiration, uh, someone you admired. What sort of ideals did she instill in you early on? Oh, my mom is the best. Um, She's a very curious person. She gets inside of a question and thinks about all of the aspects of it. And she thinks a lot about the human aspects of it, too, like how it affects people. She's also just really funny. And um, not afraid to be a weirdo. I think that was like the number one thing that inspired me is like when I saw her being different than the other moms, like putting on yes and like putting it on to 11 and like making some cookies and just like chilling and playing cards with me. And then I would go to my friend's houses and they would not be doing that same activity. And I was like, oh, my mom's like a little different. And I really valued that. You know, I think that her being unafraid to be a weird was um, a big inspiration for me to kind of say, what do I actually want instead of like, what do people want me to do? It's clear you held on to a fondness for her and for the city of Charleston. When you decided to go to college, Mm -hmm. you did not really go that far, correct? Correct. Well, I did actually, my first year, I went to, uh, I went on a pottery scholarship to Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Mm. And I kind of had this freak out moment that I think a lot of like first year college people have where they're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Like, I don't know how to do anything. What's important? (laughs) 
what's unimportant. And I just wanted to come back and like get my old job at Baskin Robbins back and like go back to the life I understood and, and see what I could do there. Um, but so I went to Winthrop and then I was like, I got to get out of here. So I studied abroad in England for a year. And then from there, since I had already moved away from this college, I wasn't like really excited about. It was easy to just transfer to College Charleston. And then I was closer to the beach and like salt water and my buds and a nice homecoming. Yeah, it was really nice. Did you always have cats growing up? Is that where your love for cats began <laughs> as a child? Um, yes, we had a cat when I was a kid and uh, her name was Judy. I think it's D. Oh, with an umlaut, D-E, my brother named her, but um, she was the best. I remember when she was really young, she let me pull out her milk teeth when she was losing her teeth. I was like a baby. I was maybe like seven, not a baby, but, and so that moment when I was like, this animal is so vulnerable and like letting me put its my hands in its mouth and like take its teeth out. Huh. I know, isn't that kind of crazy? I believe... Debbie Bandy and a beloved cat figure quite prominently in your second song choice. Yes. What is that? So my second song that would be played at my fantasy funeral is Led Zeppelin's 10 Years Gone. This song was playing when I was driving home from college. I had my cat in the car. Google was this cat's name. Um, Google was sitting on the back of the car um, on the inside above the back seat. And the song was going... And I was going maybe like 75 or 80 and um, a car almost cut me off and I hit a bump in the road and spun around twice to face oncoming traffic on the highway on the other, you know, facing the wrong direction. And while we were spinning, I just remember feeling like we were spinning in the air for like ever and ever and things were kind of hovering like when you imagine what it would be like to be on a space station. You know, it was like there was a pen in the air floating by my and this might be made up in my memory, but I do remember things were like kind of moving around a lot. And I looked back and I remember so distinctly like locking eyes with my cat who was just like happy as a clam, just like a little cat loaf sitting there staring at me while we were like in zero gravity, basically. Um, But also Led Zeppelin is my mom's favorite band. I remember listening to this song as well when we were driving around in her sky blue Nissan Z um, her sports car and it's worth mentioning that her license plate said A Z U R E like Azure like this the color of sky blue but a Z because it was a Nissan Z and we were we would listen to Led Zeppelin and drive around our suburban neighborhood and, and her car so this song makes me think about my mom and my cat floating through the air And again it will be Though the course may change sometimes The rivers always reach the sea Led Zeppelin and 10 Years Gone from Physical Graffiti. 
Sarah, your involvement with Teen Rock Camps is bookended by the state of Tennessee, and in between there were lots of other locations. But let's start at the beginning. As the story goes, in 2008, you had a friend ask you to help teach a drum class in a Murfreesboro rock camp, even though you didn't know how to play the drums. I sure didn't. What do you think she saw in you that made her feel like you'd be a good fit? Oh, wow. That's a really interesting way to phrase it. I never thought about it that way. I kind of just thought that I ended up in this um, like jackpot situation. Um, maybe she thought that I would be flexible and... and um, Willing to learn. I don't know. And you did learn quite a lot. Mm -hmm. You went on to work with in camps uh, in Oakland, Austin, some other cities. But you ended up going back to your hometown and you saw a need for a camp there, right? Yeah. So uh, six other organizers and I co-founded Girls Rock Charleston, which is now called Carolina Youth Action Project. Um, yeah, we spent hours and hours just like meeting and figuring out how to do it and the first year we had camp was just this like beautiful, beautiful mess. Um, so much joy. There were people on the team that had volunteered at New York City Rock Camp before. So they brought their experience and I had volunteered at Southern Girls Rock Camp in Murfreesboro. And we had a couple people that just wanted to make it happen. So we figured it out together. And I think that's the beautiful part about Rock Camp is that it's a lot of people just kind of uh, like spinning this organized chaos into this uh, thing that's going to lift everybody up. You have said in the past, quote, I think the notes that are wrong teach you more than the right ones sometimes. What did you mean by that? I guess I just mean all the things that I've really learned in my life was because I've done them wrong first and figured out how to like correct myself to go on the path that I with more information, C is the way I want to go. So if you play a note that you didn't mean to play, instead of looking at it as wrong, it's kind of just like um, more fodder for your brain to figure out how you want something to sound. Tell me about your third song choice, Sarah. Uh, my third song choice is Jonathan Richman and the Modern Lovers, The Morning of Our Lives. I love this song because there's a, there's a part where Jonathan Richman says, Darling, you always put yourself down, but I like you. That's all I came to say. There's no need to think that other people can do things better than you can do them because you got the same power in you. And I love that so much. And he just talks about how he has faith in his friend. And sometimes you don't have it in yourself, but he's got faith in you. And I feel like that's so much with my friends um, and the people in my life. I'm just like so awestruck and like dumbfounded by how incredible they are and, and their resilience and um, their creativity, you know, that like killer feeling when you know that someone can't see their, their light and you're like, I see, I see the light in you. I see the power in you. And like, I, I want you to see it too. Um, and I just love the song because at, at the end of the day, that's how I want to make people feel. So if I can leave a message with them, like, Hey, this is the morning of our lives. Like wake up, you can do it. You have the power in you even in this like seemingly really sad moment of a funeral, I would love to like be able to still be like, hey, like polish your gem, you got it. Keep glowing, you know? Darling, you always put yourself down, but I like you, that's all I came to say. Then there's no need 
to think that other people can do things better than you can do them because you got the same power in you i got faith in you sometimes you don't have it in yourself but i got faith in you and our time is right now now we can do anything we really want to our time is now here in the morning of our lives and it ain't just me who thinks so dear i ask my friends now leroy and asa and d-sharp tell her not to be afraid Tell her it's okay. Jonathan Richmond and his modern lovers with The Morning of Our Lives from The Modern Lovers Live. And that song really does mean so much to you. Yeah. Um, this morning, actually, I was reading the prologue of Representative John Lewis's book, and he tells this incredible story where he was playing in the front yard at his aunt's house with a bunch of his cousins and like kids from around the neighborhood. And this all of a sudden the the sky gets really, really dark and it starts looking really nasty. So he goes inside, all the kids come inside his aunt's house and the wind is just starting to like howl and the rain is coming down really hard on the, the tin roof. And all of a sudden a corner of the house starts lifting up and is being pulled up into the sky. And his aunt says, all right, children, lock arms and walk over to that side of the house. So they walk over to the corner of the house that's lifting off the ground and the weight of their little bodies keeps the house down. Then all of a sudden, the other corner starts lifting up. The wind is just like whirling around. The other side of the house starts lifting up and they walk to the other side to keep that part of the house down. And for a long time, as as the storm kind of swirled around, they walked back and forth. I just think that's so beautiful to say you might think that you have this small small body this like small ability to play a part in keeping the house down but you have power in you even if a little move is all you can do little moves make up big moves and even if it is just you linking arms with 15 other people that have a very little amount to give or a little part to play that you can keep the house down i believe one of the things that you spend a lot of time doing is writing grants in the most fascinating and entertaining way possible, can you tell us <laughs> what it is that you do to secure grants for the camps? So grant writing is really interesting because it's this intersection of like scholarly writing and just like dream imagineering. Um, it's kind of like if you got a fountain pen that was like really lovely to write with and then you wrote a bunch of just like very... Um, scholarly language with it and then put it in a cloud and was like go let's see if this works um so i actually really like it it can be kind of grueling just because it's a lot of hours of like making sure that you're that you're telling the story of what this thing is that so many people are so passionate about and i think that's the hardest part of my job is making sure that i am a steward of everyone's passion and, and everyone's dreams about how this can be you know, of all ages, whether you're 10 or you're like a 45 year old volunteer that's been with us for a long time. Um, so grant writing is just me trying to figure out a way to like weave this blanket that has everyone's yarn in it and talk about why it's important to cover up with it. You also host a weekly radio show on Nashville's independent station WXNA, a show called The Maiden Voyager. 
it sounds like that is a highlight of your week. Do I, you yeah. do you have as much fun as it seems? Oh, I love that it seems fun. Yeah, I love it so much. I think it's a, a real treat to be able to choose songs that are important to me and important to my week. And yeah, Thematically, how would you describe the songs that you choose? Yeah, so The Maiden Voyager concentrates mostly on international music, um, a lot of like spacey kind of weirdo, like new agey international music um as well as just some like classic funky like ethiopian jams and then i also really love to incorporate uh poetry and stories because i think when i'm in my car driving around and someone's reading to me um i feel really calmed like i think that the the element of the bedtime story is like kind of a lost art and you don't present yourself as sarah bandy on the show Correct. No, I um, my DJ name is Charlotte Roller Skates because that's what I wanted to change my name to when I was a kid. So I was like, cool. Well, if I get to pick my name, I like wanted to go to change my name when I was like, you know, nine or whatever. I was like, when I turn 18, I'm going to the law and I'm going to change my name legally to Charlotte Roller Skates because that's who I really am. But of course, by the time I turned 18, I was interested in other things. But now I get to be Charlotte Roller Skates once a week. Tell me about the fourth song you've chosen, Sarah. The fourth song I have chosen is Billie Holiday's When You're Smiling. I think in my life, if I had to clock the hours I've listened to any single artist, Billie Holiday would win by kind of a long shot. I think she is just so haunting and so beautiful and so classic. Um, she just makes the air feel good. Like when I'm listening to Billie Holiday, I just feel like... The light looks nice and the air looks feels good. I love her. Um, and When You're Smiling, I thought was a good choice because, um, like, depending on, you know, there are good days and bad days. You don't always have to smile and it's ridiculous to think that you would. And you have to make mistakes and then grow from them. But it's all about approaching those things with curiosity and kindness towards yourself and whatever the problem is. For me, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. Smiling by Billie Holiday, singing with Teddy Wilson and his orchestra in 1938. Sarah, you've admitted to not having played any musical instruments before you set foot in a rock camp, but since then you have picked up a number of instruments. I think you play maybe the harp, banjo, ukulele, among others. What can you tell me about your drone machine? Oh, I love that you're asking about my drone machine. So um, my brother actually got me this drone machine for Christmas, which is hands down the winner of every present I've ever gotten, probably. Um, it's a digital Tampura. So it's basically this little drone box that you can set to have Northern Indian, Central Indian or Southern Indian um, drone string patterns. And then you can have it be in different keys. So it just... Um, 
and you can have different like finger picking styles different um you can tune the fifth the drone string to be different tunings in relation to what the key is um it's just like the most magical beautiful thing so you can just say i want to have a jam right now i want to have it in c classic so you just like tune it to c do whatever you would like to do and then i can grab my harp and kind of make a sort of run in the key of c um and record that into the loop pedal and then go to my omnichord and do some stuff with that and kind of add on to that and then i can do some like vocal layering and have sort of like a little chorus in all in the key of c and have it sort of build um I have a dream one day of of making like a tape where there's the first track is a drone in A, the second track's a drone in B, and then C kind of like going up, and then the second side of the cassette is going back down. Oh. I think that would be really nice to listen to. Yeah, the drone me. stair step. Yeah. You have cleverly come up with a few funeral details that were not expressly asked of you, and I quite like that. <laughs> I believe you have named a handful of pallbearers. Yes. Um, so... When I was imagining my funeral, someone has to carry the casket, right? Um, and I was like, well, who's going to carry the casket? I wouldn't want my family have to do that. Um, I was thinking my ideal pallbearers would be um, Clarissa from Clarissa Explains It All, Harriet the Spy, um, Winona Ryder at the end of Heather's after the school blows up and she has like that really cool hair and like just like charcoal all over her face. Um, Janet Jackson from the Rhythm Nation music video, just like the fiercest outfit and style ever. Um, Jean Cocteau, who directed my favorite movie, um, the adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. And then kind of like interspersed around would be a couple stacks of kittens to help like lighten the load. They would have to be very gymnastic kittens to make sure that they were walking um, in a way that wouldn't bump the casket around but caskets are heavy so the more the merrier and you have specifications for your casket yes well so um i would like my casket to sort of have these uh rounded shingles covering it um the shingles would cover the casket like sort of like mermaid scales but the colors of the different sides are uh baby blue baby pink and lavender I just keep seeing things and being attracted to things that are those three colors. So right now, that's what my casket would look like in my dream. Before we hear your final song choice, have you thought about the person who you would choose to deliver your eulogy? I have. So the person I would choose, it was kind of a toss-up between Patti Smith and Pema Chodron. But I chose Pema Chodron because um, she's kind of the wisest person I can think of. She is a Buddhist nun and just really gentle and like very fierce at the same time and the way she phrases things she's like not too self-aware about about everything she's the like her book when things fall apart was the first time I ever really heard about uh meditation and and she's just not self-aware about it she's not preachy and like in the worst moments of when people are sharing meditation they they're preachy and saying you have to do this or you you need to improve your life and the whole point of meditation is to realize you're fine as you are and just like you know a funeral is for the people that are there not for the person that died she would just have a lot of really beautiful things to say about death and the experience of life and what it means to move on but you would like her to read something that someone else wrote yeah so my very favorite poem is uh wild geese by mary oliver You do not have to be good. 
You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Wherever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Sarah, we've come to your fifth and final funeral song. What is it? My very final song, it's Fistful of Love by Antony and the Johnsons. And at first when you hear the song, um, it can it feels pretty violent. But I think at the heart of it is saying um, you can't really experience your life and really love it unless you've really hated it and really been hurt. And I accept, and I collect upon my body the memories of your devotion. I accept and I collect upon my body the memories of your devotion. Anthony and the Johnsons, Fistful of Love, from the album I Am a Bird Now, Sarah Bandy's final fantasy song choice. Sarah, do you see yourself uh, being taken along to your resting place during that song in any certain way? In my fantasy funeral, I'm thinking of this song being played while my casket is being carried along the parade route in downtown Charleston that the, the Burke High School marching band always took. In my mind, everyone has these uh, like crazy masks and hats and just sort of like joyful, silly body decorations made by my best friend, Anna and Cammie and Rebecca Rocket, who makes just these incredible, like incredible jellyfish out of um, like recycled materials and and sea trash and stuff. So I'd want it to be kind of like everyone is... um, feels like they're crawling out of the ocean onto the beach just this like joyful ragtag group of weirdos that I got to meet during my life um ending up at Hampton Park which is where I used to walk every morning when I lived in Charleston and I'm guessing you want to be buried somewhere in South Carolina yeah I would want to be set out to sea in my casket um pushed off from Sullivan's Island into the ocean And hopefully it would be the kind of wood that wouldn't hurt the ocean. Maybe there would be fish food in the different like wooden slats and it would be um, environmentally responsible paint. That's that's an extremely thoughtful burial plan. (laughs) 
This has been very, very wonderful. Thank you, Sarah Bandy, for taking us through your fantasy funeral. Thank you so much, Ryan. My Fantasy Funeral is brought to you by We Own This Town. Full versions of the songs chosen today can be heard on our Spotify playlist. Find out more at myfantasyfuneral.show. I'm Ryan Briegel. Thank you for listening.